This podcast contains sensitive content, which some may find disturbing. Information shared here should not be construed as medical advice. If you or someone you love needs help with trauma, chronic pain, or anything else we discuss here, please seek out a medical professional. All resources shared are for entertainment purposes only. All content represents the opinions of Kim and Anna and any special guests and do not necessarily reflect the positions of any organizations they work for. This is not ideal, but we're going with it. A mother-daughter podcast about chronic pain, trauma, mental illness, and more. Kim is a trauma therapist and certified addiction counselor who lives in Pennsylvania, USA. And her daughter, Anna, is a scoliosis sufferer and trauma survivor living in the tropical north of Australia. Join us each week as they discuss topics from their life experiences. Welcome to the show. Hello and welcome. This is Not Ideal, but we're going with it, the podcast. I'm Kim and I'm the mom. And I'm Anna and I'm the daughter. And last time we did an episode, mom did the intro like this. (laughs) (laughs) What? Mom did the intro like this. Welcome to Not Ideal, but we're going with it, the podcast. And I I could not... We erased that one because you mocked it so horribly. We erased it completely. No, but I wasn't mocking it. I really, I loved it. And I think we should go back to it. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm never going back to it. Anyway, here we are. And we are going to be talking about the rest of my accident in this podcast. You're feeling a little sick. Did you want to talk about that? I am actually. (coughs) Just holding that in for a while. (laughs) Yeah. A little dramatic highlight. A little little taste. Give me a little sample. Yeah. I am definitely sick, although today is a lot better than yesterday. Yesterday, I woke up and I actually couldn't get out of bed. And so I spent the day in bed, wrapped up in my heating blanket that mom sent me from the U.S. Because over here, we don't have heating blankets, which I don't understand. We also don't have Pillsbury dough in a can. Have we talked about that before? Because it's infuriating. It's really weird. We're missing some real big inventions. (laughs) I see. I I still don't understand. Hold on. You know what the biggest invention we're missing is? Male shorts of appropriate length because <laughs> every every man on this side of the planet, I have seen so much man thigh in the last four <laughs> years. I seriously, like my my mindset, my worldview has changed just on it's the like amount my of childhood male because thigh. Growing up yeah. in my childhood, all the shorts were short also yeah the thing is we never moved out of the 80s like out of the 70s 80s everybody here all the men who are like blue collar still have mullets and I've asked a few of them why they like do you think mullets are still in style why do you have that on your head you don't yes I have no you don't um excuse me my wonderful sister-in-law is engaged to a man who used to have a mullet she got him to cut it off and I asked him and the answer is that it guards your neck like from the sun, but then oh. it doesn't let hair into your face like while you're working, laboring outside. So it's oh. actually a quite a practical hairdo. But go. my point is that we never moved out of the 70s <laughs> because <laughs> the blo- the sun blocking, you know, the sun blocking theory does not hold true for short for shorts, shorts for men. Right? Yeah. <laughs> It definitely makes sense for the hairstyle though thing. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's interesting, helpful. right? So I'm not I'm not putting down anybody who chooses to have mullets because it seems like a very logical choice. All I'm saying is that that hairstyle belongs in the, in 
the 70s and contrary I think to it's 80s. I don't think it was 70s. I think the it was 80s. 80s. Well, yeah. what where were the short shorts from though? Those are from the 70s, right? Yeah, like 60s and 70s, yeah. Yeah, so I'm talking like 70s, 80s, everything that happened then is still happening here. Wow. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Well, cool. Sure. I can say you're, it's cool. You're feeling, you're feeling kind of under the weather and I am also feeling just completely blah because basically my diet today has consisted of bread and cheese. <laughs> so I'm rounding out the day. I had pizza. I had, oh, yeah. and then there was no food in the house. So I had to make myself like Triscuits and mozzarella cheese. <laughs> you made, oh, hold on. I have one follow-up question. Was yeah. the mozzarella cheese you mentioned, is that actually string cheese? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I know you so well. Melted in yeah, the microwave. So- and then I actually also added a little little flair with some Parmesan cheese on, sprinkled on top. <laughs> and was that Parmesan cheese by any chance in, the, in from the green bottle that you keep yes. in the cupboard, not even in the fridge? Craft, powdered, <laughs> and... I poured that over top of, actually, I, I, I thought maybe I'll drizzle a little olive oil over these Triscuits. I put, I ripped up a, some string cheese, put some Parmesan cheese on top of it, pop that thing in the microwave. And of course, your dad walks in like two seconds later and he cannot stand the smell of Parmesan cheese. And I was like, oh, I didn't know you were going to be home right now. I'm Wait, sorry. are you serious? He doesn't yes. like the powdered Parmesan cheese? He can't stand the smell of Parmesan cheese. Aaron can't either. Aaron has not allowed me to buy a single one of, holy cow, the similarities just keep coming out. Every time we talk about it, something new comes out. He came home and was not, he was not thrilled about that, but. Actually, can I, on that same topic of them being similar, can I quick tell our listeners, Aaron, my husband, and Nate Winters, Kim's husband, slash also my dad, (laughs) they have a broken blood, they each have a broken blood vessel on their heads in the exact same spot. So they have like a little, like a little blood spot that's just permanently there right under their skin on the exact same spot above their ears. They're kindred spirits for sure. And you know what? Another weird thing, because you being sick, I'm actually worrying about getting sick now because every, I don't know if we've mentioned this before, but every time Anna and I do a podcast and she's sick, I get sick the next day. Now this is really weird. The first time it was strep throat and I got strep throat the next day. No, hold on. Don't don't skip over it. The, so the way that I get my sicknesses is from Aaron. He's in the Air Force. He brings it back from the Air Force base. Like everybody there is in such close quarters. It's like being in college. Any sickness just gets passed around immediately. And it's like an epidemic within a couple of days. He brings it home and then I catch it. And, and Anna, I normally out. get it a lot worse. <clears throat> sorry, are you trying to cut me off again? Oh, it yeah, sounded sorry. like you were. <laughs> I was going to say, you somehow magically pass it to me through the internet, and I have no idea how it happens. Well, what I was going to say is, like, Aaron brings it back, like, on a scale of 1 to 10. He normally gets it around, like, 4, although sometimes it can seem like he gets it around, like, 9 or 10 with how much he complains. (laughs) Is that a man cold? A man cold? (laughs) The man flu, yeah. But his symptoms are normally around, like, a 4 out of 10. But when Uh I get it, which I don't always get it because I was sick a lot as a kid, so I have, I think, more antibodies. But whenever I do get it, I get it like a nine out of 10 at least. Like it's normally pretty bad. So a few weeks ago, I got strep throat after Aaron got strep throat and it was really bad. And I had to go to the doctor, antibiotics, et cetera. And like two courses of antibiotics, like a, a lot of antibiotics. And then mom, then what did you get? Strep throat, which I couldn't believe it because I thought I have not seen any strep throat. And now I just got the only contact I've had with strep throat is doing a podcast with my daughter who lives halfway around the world. So trying to, you know, like, have you been exposed to strep throat? Yes. 
how? <laughs> My daughter has exactly. It. <laughs> Where where's your daughter? She's uh she lives in Australia. <laughs> oh. And then the other weirdest thing is that now this is now really this, disgusting. This one is even weirder. This one is yeah, way weirder. Yeah, because strep throat, like like people can just spontaneously get strep throat. We get it. Yes. You know, a lot a lot of people get strep throat. But a week and a half ago, and this is disgusting. Please try not to think less of me because of this. <laughs> I went over to a friend's house, and after being there for two hours, my friend told me on my way out the door that she's recovering from pink eye. And I was like, girl, I've been in your house rubbing my face for the last two hours. How dare you? I love her anyway. But oh my word, I was so frustrated. I went home, washed my hands, washed my face. And I was like totally paranoid for the next couple of days over not, never touching my eyes, never like touching my face at all. But still, because of my gosh darn immune system, I got it anyway. And a few days later, I woke up with a really sore eye. It was itchy. It was really sore. I went to the doctor. Sure enough, I had conjunctivitis, which is like the most <laughs> disgusting name for any. That is a real word, uh, like with meaning. You know what I'm saying? That 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 word is. has like a punch. It packs a punch. It does. Yes. It does. Anyway, indeed. and then we talked. We did a podcast, and she was telling me about her pink eye. And the very next day, I got pink eye in that same eye. Now that is bizarre. It is bizarre. And it's not psychosomatic either. She like she goes into the doctor for these things and the, the doctor, doctor confirms she actually has them and has to give her medicine for them. My husband is like, it's so psychosomatic. I'm like, how can I psychosomatically give myself pink eye? There's no way. That is I mean, I agree it's bizarre. Yeah. But Yeah, there's know. this is like X Files type stuff. It, like it, there's no there's no explanation. It seems like it must be psychosomatic, but like you had to get Ste- like eye steroids, right? For your eye. To, like it was bad. No, I got like eye drops and then I got steroids. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like not, it was not like, oh yeah, your eye looks a little bit red. Come back in a few days and right. we'll see. Exactly. You know, it was like, no, you've got it. Got, I was like, how? Unbelievable. And I, even on the way there, I was thinking like, how am I going to explain how I caught this? <laughs> I have no <laughs> They're going to think I'm, I didn't explain it. But anyway, so, yeah, so now that she's sick, I'm really, I'm going to down some vitamin C tonight after my bread and cheese diet and see if I can survive <laughs> without getting I whatever junk you've got. But anyway, so we are already like halfway through and I got to talk about the rest of the story of my accident so that we can finish that up. Is yeah. that, are we good? Oh my go? word, I've already been talking for 15 minutes and oh my word, I have to talk more. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, go for it. I only, have 50, I only have half of the time to talk after I've already talked the first half of the time. Um, panic, panic ensues. <laughs> so yeah, so we were in the ambulance, I think, um, last time we left you with my story. And thankfully, I was very close to the hospital and got wheeled into that trauma bay, which is exactly like it is on TV. There's like 20 doctors and they're all ready to help you. And I definitely Yeah, that's how it was for you. For me, there was one woman behind a desk who forked over a vomit bag and she had it. Well, that was because we were like there at like 2 a.m. or something, wasn't it? It was like, anyway. Well, also it was because I wasn't brought in via ambulance. That's right. That was, yeah. So anyway, so um, everybody was there and, you know, they're they're getting right in your face, asking you all kinds of questions. That's where they um, set my bones uh, to prepare me for surgery. I was really hoping to be able to see my husband. I knew he was somewhere in the hospital, but someone, after like the third time I asked to see my husband, they, they said, 
we are just rushing to get you into surgery because your leg isn't doing too good. So we don't want to risk anything with your leg. So you might see him, you might not. So just chill out. <laughs> so that's what I did. Because I was like, oh, <laughs> my leg, I haven't looked at my leg yet, but apparently it's not good. So yeah, so they had to yank my leg uh, at that point, And it was this, this was probably the loudest scream that I'd ever given in my entire life. And it really traumatized even, I mean, it scared me um, because they were doing all these different procedures on me to clear my lungs and all my, making sure I didn't have anything stuck anywhere, trying to see if mm -hmm. my ribs had punctured my lungs or see if any, yeah. there was any other punctures anywhere. And um, so they're kind of rolling me around doing all kinds of stuff. And um then everything got quiet and I noticed everybody was sort of bracing and I kind of sensed something was coming, but I wasn't absolutely sure. And then there was kind of a gigantic yank. And, <laughs> and yeah. That butt tingle warning. <laughs> uh, it was bad. And I think the thing that I still remember is the sensation of the guy like losing his grip on my leg, like slipping. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And having to do it a second time, like getting a better grip. So, yeah, that was oh the tingles. That was bad. Oh, that's so uh, nasty. And uh, he should have just used the technique that that my guy used when my guy did it, which was he used his own beer belly <laughs> to, <laughs> no, to reset my leg. This is, this is America. Um, anyway, oh, okay. so I screamed really loud, and I still remember this because they were worried my lungs were punctured, but they didn't have time to check for sure and get me to see. So I just remember after I screamed really loud, someone way far in the back was like. Well, I guess her lungs are okay. And I <laughs> I was like, that was funny, but I'm I can't believe you did that. Like, you know, that you thought that that would be a funny time to crack a joke. But anyway, so but I also felt really bad for screaming. So I was like on the way. You know what? That's so interesting. Even amidst all of this, you still had time to criticize not only yourself, but also the person. Exactly. Also the person who made the joke about your lungs being okay. I just, I, it just fascinated me. And I wondered who that was. And I'll, of course, I'll never know. But it was someone over in the back who uh. thought it, thought he was kind of going to crack a joke. Um, no, no one else laughed. Fair I, I appreciate it. I appreciated that. No, no one laughed. I, they just, they had a better sense of comedic <laughs> context, I guess. But anyway, so yeah, so he got it on the second, on the second poll. And then as I was being wheeled out, I was apologizing for traumatizing everybody. And um, they're like, it's fine. You're okay. You know? And then the next thing I remember is talking to the surgeon who had called, who had come in. And this was a very comforting thing. He leaned right into my face and he said, I want you to know I am. Is depressed. that the comforting part? No, <laughs> no, but you did have to lean into my face because I was sort of, you know, I had a head injury and I, I couldn't really see very well. He leaned right into mm -hmm. my face. He said, I want you to know that I am the best surgeon for your injuries. And I was like, I like that. I like I like that confidence yeah. going in. So he, <laughs> yeah, he that did is nice. um, three separate surgeries on me, um, one that day, and then I think we waited a day, and then we had another another one. One of my lower leg, my knee, and then my elbow. So they thought about hmm. doing something, surgery for my back, but they opted out. They wanted to wait and see, and then they decided not to do that. So yeah, so then it was just recovery in the hospital. It was just receiving amazing love and care from people. And yeah, man, you had so many flowers, flowers so many packages. Flowers. Yeah. Just had just an overwhelming sense of thankfulness for people. And, and then it, you and I talked a few times. I know almost, well, did we talk every day? I don't remember. Uh, we talked every day that you were coherent. Okay. So some days you were on 
enough medication that you couldn't really do a phone call. Right. And especially anybody who's been on uh, the medication that you and I now have both been on right. knows that it makes you super sensitive to light and sound. And like, you can't really focus, like say you're holding your phone a foot away from your face. You can't really focus your words, on your eyes on words that small. Yep. And so a lot of times you were like, my head hurts too much. You know, I, yeah. I love you, but I can't really talk. Yeah, so I couldn't read. Every day you could. We did. Uh, the only TV show I could tolerate um, was uh, that show where they remodel kitchens. But I couldn't even do the ones where they're like getting mad at each other. I, cu- I could only do the ones where it's like, this will be nice. Yes, let's do that. And then it works. <laughs> Those were the only kinds I could tolerate with my emotional system at that time. Um, my, my nervous Do you know what I remember? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Do you know what I remember being so interesting? Is that one time in the middle, in the middle of the night, your time, you called me and I was not expecting your call because of the weird timing. But I picked up the phone and we started talking and you said that there was somebody in your room who had MRSA. Oh. Do you remember that? No. And you were like, somebody here, somebody here has oh, MRSA. I don't think that I was can real. smell it. I don't is what oh, you gross. Said. No, I don't think that was true. That was just No, it wasn't true. Oh. It absolutely was not true. And because here's how me. I know, which is so funny. Here's how I know. Because when I was in the hospital for my broken leg, I did have a roommate that had MRSA. And you could smell it. And you could hear it. Because here's the thing. Yeah, and that's what... And I knew that that's what it was. And that's why I said, Mom, I think that you are remembering my experience. And you said, Anna, no, it's real. And I'm like, okay, well, well. can you show me? And you're like, no, I've got to hang up. And then you hung up the phone. And I was like, wow. And then the next day, we talked again. And you were much more clear-headed. And I'm like... So how's that roommate with MRSA? And you're like, what, Anna? I never said I didn't that. Even what have are you a talking about? I, I didn't have a roommate. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, I know. And I was like, well, because the way that I knew to tell whether or not you had a roommate who had MRSA was could you hear the vacuum Ew. going every like Okay, really? That sucked off the dead okay, flesh. Stop. <laughs> That's disgusting. No Listen, wonder I had this that is kind what of we had to go in through. my brain. Okay. So, I know. All right. So let me let me get anyway, back to all that goes to say. Yes, we talked, but you are a little nuts. Okay. That's all I'm trying to say. So I get through the kind of critical hospital stay, and then they're going to transfer me to the rehab hospital, residential rehab place, and um, I had to I had to be transferred in an ambulance, and that was the first time I was like outside, and the first time I was back on the road, basically, and I was terrified. I they. They put you in the back of the ambulance just like you do normally, but then they closed the back doors and I had to look at the road, you know, while I'm in the ambulance. Mm-hmm. And all I could think of was those doors opening and me falling out into the road. I had to, I actually asked, I asked the ambulance guy to show me how I don't fall out onto the road. Like how <laughs> if he stops suddenly, I'm not going to end up on the road. And actually after he explained it like three times, finally he just, he was like the partner and the other guy was the driver. He just sat back and he said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to just sit back here with you and I'm going to put my hand on your on your uh, thing and make sure you know that you're off the back. Wasn't that so sweet? Who is he? I want him to be oh, my friend. He was wonderful. And then he also told me that he had heard about the accident that I was in and they actually like did a training based on my accident because they had, when they pulled me out of my vehicle, the way they ended up doing it was kind of unique. And they thought it worked out really well. So they ended up practicing with it, I guess. So anyway, so he told me a story wow. and he held on to the, you know, he's like, 
at first he's trying to explain the locking mechanisms and he's trying to explain how there's absolutely no way. And then, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's going too complicated. And finally, he's just like, you know what I could do? I could just sit here. Look, here's my hand. Nobody, I'm, gonna, I'm belted in and I've got my hand on your stretcher and you're not going anywhere. Oh, that must be so nice too, to have lived an experience where you were then the test case for like what to yeah. do next yeah. time. Whereas through most of my, oh, everything that happened with me, I was the I'm case so of sorry, what not to sweetie. do. <laughs> what not oh, to do. No, no, don't be sorry for me. I am so thrilled. If one of us had to be what to do and one of us had to be what not to do, I'm glad it, I'm glad I was the bad case. Oh. I would have hated to have been so far away for you going through I got what not really to do. really good care, yeah. And then I um, was wheeled into the new hospital and got my room and got started with very intensive... Um, physical therapy. And then I got um, therapy for the rehab center. And I got a really excellent therapy for my brain because I had a head injury. So uh, they had me do uh, interactive metronome therapy, which is a type of, of therapy for people with concussions or head injuries. And so that was wonderfully helpful. I continued that even after I, I left that hospital. But yeah, and so... Yeah, although it is it is worth saying that even though they were like you just said, super wonderful and helpful with the recovery of your head injury. That did not stop you from every time you got sick of a conversation <laughs> saying, I have a head injury. <laughs> I'm sick of talking about this. And to this day, you still say that. <laughs> I have a concussion. I can't talk about this anymore. Yeah, well, it, it's it, concussions really seriously are very, they take a long time to heal. Like I still can't read very long. I, I know that it sounds like I'm not. Or talk it. about things you don't want to exactly. talk about. <laughs> All right. And I get bored easily. And now I just walk away from stuff that bores me. No, I'm just kidding. So anyway, so that was um, the rehab center. People, again, people just visiting me, caring for me, loving on me. And, um, you know, dad, of course, there every day. Joe and Brecken there all the time uh, at both hospitals. And just uh, family, friends coming from out of town. It was just wonderful to just feel so cared for and loved and not realizing how much people love you. People, I, I got letters from people just sharing, you know, stuff that they thought of me and were praying for me and just how they loved me. And it was just a, an amazing thing to think, wow, like just feeling so loved. So yeah. And even for all the letters that for all the letters that you got, I also probably got just as many, oh, like, wow. because I was the one who posted the original, mm. I think I posted on your Facebook mm -hmm. wall to let yes. all of your people yes. know what had happened, which dad asked me mm -hmm. to do. And so then because, and then I said, this is a, you know, this is obviously Anna posting, this isn't Kim. Then everybody then messaged me privately about you then those first few days, especially like I would wake up with 30, 35 new messages every morning. Like it was unbelievable the amount of people who were messaging yes. me privately, which was so meaningful. And I made sure to forward all that on to you. But I'm just saying like for all the ones that you got sent to you in the hospital, I probably got just as many sent to me. Yes. Online. And I would like to also remember that you were also the one that approved that picture of me that you posted. <laughs> That's so horrible. No, actually, Dad approved that. I suggested it, and uh -huh, Dad approved yeah. it. Uh -huh. So take your complaints <laughs> to your hubs. <laughs> anyway, so... Who lets you eat cheese and crackers? So then... Oh, also, I had a question for you. I wanted to ask you what it was like then for you to walk for the first time. Oh, well, that was amazing. Actually, I have a video of that when I took my very first step because I was really struggling. I was supposed to be able to walk, and I just couldn't quite get it, and they ended up putting a little lift in my one foot, because my the way all my injuries are, 
it seemed like one of my legs was a little bit shorter than the other one. So they put a little lift in my foot and it enabled me to walk and it just completely overwhelmed me on that video. I started crying because I couldn't believe what it felt like to walk again. It was amazing. Yeah. And um, yeah, so it was just, it, it continues to be an ongoing, you know, kind of reacquainting myself with my body. We can talk about that because I think that is a really interesting process with um, these kinds of things is kind of reconnecting with your body after it's been changed mm. like this. I totally agree. Mm -hmm. And you know what also I have noticed is that you have to forgive certain parts of your body for not being, at least me personally, I do, for not being up to par with what I want it to be. Right. So for instance, after I broke my leg and it was like the really complicated, it broke and then a couple surgeries and then an infection and just a really long healing process. It didn't properly heal for over a year and a half. Afterwards, the pain still wasn't going away when I would walk or jog. And I remember one time getting so fed up with it that I sat down and I pulled my leg up onto the, I was on a dorm room bunk bed on the bottom bunk, pulled it up onto the bunk with me. And I looked at it and I said, you know what? I love you <laughs> for what you are. And I love you how you are. And I don't need you to improve. And I just want to let you know that I really appreciate the fact that you have stuck around, mm -hmm. even though I really have not treated you very well since I've broken you and mm -hmm. operated on you a couple of times and yeah. all this and that. And I have criticized you so much. And I just want you to know that I, and this probably sounds completely psychotic to some people, but I was just talking to my legs saying, you know what? I really appreciate you. And I want to say to you that I'm glad that we are a team. And you know what? After I started viewing my leg like that, the mm -hmm. pain went away. Like we yeah. a couple no, of months. I think that's an excellent, excellent point. And I think we can get into these kind of relationships with our body that actually increase pain and make, you know, make things worse for our mental health, our emotional health. Because I, I agree, you can get mad at your yeah. body, or you can even just sort of be like, oh, you know, kind of pull away from it. That That's, I think, the biggest struggle I've had is just with my leg, uh, with it, how different it is now, that I have to try not to just be like, you know, I have to kind of help myself pat my knee and and stay in touch with my leg and actually even shave that part of my knee. Like I, I have to really struggle Ugh. because I just don't like the way it is now. And I, I have yeah. to try to work through that. So yeah, that's, that's a great, great point that we can get into these relationships with our body after stuff like this, that is not good. So I totally agree. Yes. And actually my leg, I don't know if yours has this as well, but you can actually feel the hardware through my skin because yep. I guess there are two screws in particular that are not, they're like right on the ball of my ankle. So they weren't, weren't able to be like, I mean, they're obviously fully screwed in, but they stick out more than the other ones and you can feel them yeah. very, you can see them. I mean, they stick out. You can see the shape of the screw through I my skin. I don't have that as bad as you do. I do have a pinchy feeling on my right ankle on the outside. And then I have my knee because of the way the engine hit it one of my muscles isn't grown back the right way. So I kind of have a weird looking kind of right above the right, the right knee that I. Oh yeah. Yeah. Huh. Anyway. That's so interesting. But our legs are never going to be, we're never going to be shorts models. Got, what can we say? <laughs> I've got lumpy knee and I've got old, old knee or, or my old knee. So I try not to call my knee names, but it's kind of bony. Yeah. You're things. failing so far. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, just... I guess I need a better name than lumpy, but anyway, yeah. So yeah. So right. then it was back home with the walker and uh, there was more weeks uh, of recovery back at home that, that uh, your dad took care of me that you know about. And yeah, we've pretty much summarized it. Did I miss anything? Uh, I don't think so. I think that's about it. Way, way, to, way to crank it yeah. out in, in only 32 yes, minutes exactly. of speaking. 
Exactly. So I'm glad to be through that phase for sure. I think that um, there's ongoing things with regard. Oh, I was going to talk about what it was like to drive for the first time. That was tough. And it, it continues to be impossible for me to get into tiny cars, smaller cars. The car I was in the accident with was a small car, a Hyundai Elantra. But mm. And then like I still have things just, for example, I had to rent a car recently and the car that they said I should get, which was the cheaper one, looked exactly like my car. And I'm like, I can't get that one. I got to pay more. I need one that looks red or big. <laughs> so just yeah. stuff like that, that still creep up on you. And like you had talked about uh, wanting to share some time about how anxiety and having gone through trauma, how trauma impacts um, anxiety. That might be something we could talk about. Yeah, maybe we can talk about that in the next episode okay. even, because I would absolutely, I would love to talk about just how this is actually, I breached this in our pregame just before this, but we decided to do this episode first. Just to do an episode on how going through a traumatic experience, how that impacts your like anxiety system mm-hmm. in your brain mm-hmm. and whether or not you get more anxious about things you shouldn't or wouldn't usually get anxious mm-hmm. about, you know, whether you obsess over things, whether you um, catastrophize, as in whether you make it seem like it's absolutely going to be the end of the world, when in reality, it's like you forgot to do the dishes before somebody came over. Mm-hmm. But then in your brain, it's like, oh, my word, the world is ending. Mm-hmm. You know, so just how anxiety can can change, how, how you feel your own anxiety and worry can really change after you've been through something life altering like this, because that is something that from what I know, mom and I have both experienced yep. firsthand kind of continuously ever since I'd say I'd say ever since my back started getting really serious. Mm-hmm. Like probably for me, it started once I sent you that first Marco Polo, which mm-hmm. is another app we use. It's where you leave like. Uh, video messages for each other. So it's like FaceTime, only you don't both have to be present, which is super nice for somebody who very much prefers convenience over accommodation to the other person. So like I very much like to just conveniently tell somebody what I want to say, and then I don't have to put up with them talking back to me. (laughs) So I love Marco Polo for that reason. And I left mom a message at one point of me just like crying. I don't know why mm. I did that. That was so bad. That wasn't but bad. I, yeah, I, I had tried to get something out about what was happening oh. to my back because it was after I'd injured myself. Yep. You had the injury a, that caused. You, you had a white towel on your head. Oh, did I? Yeah, you had, you were just so heartbroken over your back. Yeah, I had just, I had just had the injury a few days prior that caused us like it facilitated, it started the process of getting the surgery. Yeah. So it's what made my back intolerable and what made us have to pursue surgery. But it was just terrible, terrible sciatica. And what had happened was I had tried to take a shower and the pain had been so crippling that I couldn't finish the shower. And I had like crumpled down onto the floor of my shower. And then my husband had had to like come help me get from the floor of the shower. And I was still like soapy and bring me back to the bedroom and like, just help me not be crumpled on the floor of our bathroom. And then I had sent mom a message just saying like, what has my life become? Yeah. And I think from that point on is when is when my anxiety system at least started to change. That, um, that Marco Polo is still somewhere in our history, but that, that was probably the turning point for me to realize like, we've got to do something. We can't, we can't wait any longer. So yeah, that was when we started both. I think at least that's what I think was the turning point for us to start just researching and finding out there's got to be something that can be done. So, 
Yeah. So anyway, so we will end on that note. We'll be talking maybe about that in the future. We also have a couple interviews coming up. We're looking forward to. We are so excited that you're with us. We are not ideal, but we're going with it on Facebook, notideal.dotnet. And on Instagram and Twitter, we are at Not Ideal Podcast, which frankly, maybe we should change the Facebook one because it seems like Not Ideal Podcast is pretty succinct. <laughs> but that's just a suggestion. That's just a that's suggestion. Yeah, Take it or leave it, boo. Take it or leave it. Totally. <laughs> All right. Totally fine. We are signing off. Thanks for being with us. Have a great night. Bye-bye. Thank you guys for joining us today. Stay tuned for more podcasts from Anna and Kim on the new series, Not Ideal, But We're Going With It. Also, check out their new website at www.notideal.net.